0: All right, in a minute, Andrew's going to come up. Um, draw your attention to a couple of things. Every year, the missions committee puts together a prayer booklet that has all of our missionaries that explains what they do that you can use as a tool to pray for them. Um, if you don't have one of those, they are up at the resource table up here. That's a cool table. I'd come check it out anyways. There were a number of people over here after first service, so you'll want to get one of those. When you came in, you were given a card, Can you pull that card out. Um, can you pull that out? Because that's really important. Because what we're doing, anytime we do the missions conference, we're always asking for some kind of a response. God's always asking for a response to us in whatever He's impressing upon us. And specifically on this, this the side with the footprints, there's really four commitments that we're, we're just asking you to pray and ask God to lay in your heart. How can you get involved or be involved, or how's He asking you to be involved in His mission to the nations? And it's these four things, this going, welcoming, sending, mobilizing. Um, that Who knows? God, through this conference, may actually touch your heart and call you to be a person that goes in some form to a Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost part of the world. Um, Jim, who just spoke, I mean, went to church here. We've had a... N- and God called him while he was here. We've had a number of people who, out of this body, who have ended up serving in some form in God's great mission. So he may be asking you to do that. Or it could just be the short-term mission trip. If you have never done one of those, that will expand your heart for what God's doing among the nations so much. And every year, I three times, our Jason and the group take people to Mexico. They would love to talk to you about that. If you haven't done that, I just encourage you to think about it. So God may tap you to go in some form. He may tap you in the shoulder and say, I want you to be part of welcoming because God has brought the nations here. It's what I did for 29 years. I still do stuff with international students occasionally. Um, and He has brought the nations here and all it takes is just a, a welcome a welcome heart and a welcome home. Uh, probably the main one for that would be there is going to be Thanksgiving coming up soon and students will be alone in a very Dead and quiet, lonely dormitory room, and so just to have a student from um, for Thanksgiving is a way to bl- is a way to welcome, sending. Um, you, it's just that thing that I think I know a lot of people here. Part of their we talked about giving to the church. Part of that giving is they say I'm going to give that to what we're doing with the nations at 12th Avenue. So it's praying and asking God, what what are you putting on my heart for that? Something new we want to kind of emphasize. Not it's not totally new, but emphasizing this year is is not just praying, adopting a family, that's what it says, not just to pray for them, but to be part of that support system that they need. So we've got the trees up over here that have little cards and that you can adopt. Go pick one family out and adopt them and not just pray for them, but email them occasionally, chat with them, see how they're doing, write a letter, send a a love, a care package to them, just try and be part of that support system to, to keep them encouraged. And then mobilizing. It may be that God taps me on the shoulder and says, I want you to be a part of helping mobilize 12th Avenue towards His mission to the nations, and there's two ways you can do that. One is, is like, I think I want, God's asking me to serve on this team that puts the missions conference and does all this together. I think pretty much everybody except two this year, Brent, if I remember right, are all new on the missions committee, that even last year God tapped some people on the shoulder about being a part of what we're doing um, doing with this, Mike McTaggart, who's on the team, told me that last year it was when I talked about the 1040 window, God really moved in his heart, and he's like, I want to be part of mobilizing this church towards what God's doing among the nations. Or it just maybe, I'm going to mobilize my family. I'm going to um, do some things to help elevate a passion for the nations and God's heart for the nations among my family, and there's some ways you can do that in the back. We'll talk about that later, but those are the four commitments we're asking you to make. And I know Andrew, he spoke about a couple of those last night. He's going to speak about a couple more today and even tomorrow. So, Andrew, I think that's all I have to say. Come on up. Did a great job last night out of Isaiah 49, and now we're going to be in the book of Corinthians today, chapter 5, and later tonight in chapter 6. That's
1: right. That's right. Yeah, it's an honor to be with you again this morning. The first service was a joy got to talk to some some of you all after the service. It was a great pleasure of mine. Um, uh, yeah, it's a I love doing this kind of thing. I love uh, getting to be in churches like this. Like Ashley said earlier, it is kind of a rare thing for a church to be so uh, engaged in God's global purpose. And so this is this is special. It's uh, I hope I hope you recognize that that you're a part of a church that really is special. Um, well. Uh, we're kind of in the middle of a, of a coherent narrative, I guess. Uh, last night, we looked at Isaiah 49, uh, one of the servant passages from Isaiah. We looked a little bit about how Isaiah is, could be talking about the Messiah. He could also be talking about a servant people who we understand as the church today, you know. Um, so we looked a little bit of that tonight. Uh, We're going to actually call back to that. If you were here last night, uh, you've got kind of a a prep for today. But if you weren't, no worries. Uh, We're going to look at uh, this passage in 2 Corinthians today. And I think it'll make sense without having that session last night. And then tonight, uh, we're going to continue on in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. So where we leave off in our sermon today, we're going to pick up later this evening. So we do want to invite you back tonight. Um, We had a great night, like Garen said last night, and I think we're going to have a a good time of food and fellowship and more of God's word tonight as well. So please join us. So where we're at, we're kind of in the middle of this. Um, If you've got your Bibles with you, I invite you to open to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 14 through chapter 6, verse 2, and I'm going to go ahead and read our, our passage today. I'll open us in prayer and then we'll dive right in. For the love of Christ compels us, since we have reached this conclusion if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective. Yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, we also appeal to you, Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Now, right here at the end of our passage, Paul talks about, he's urging the church, don't receive this grace in vain. Now, I want us to, to hold that in the back of our mind as we look through this passage again. What kind of grace is Paul talking about here? Okay, that we might actually be able to receive in vain. Let me open us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for our time today. We just ask that you would be present, that in the power of your Holy Spirit you would speak, that our hearts and our minds would be open and attentive to you, and ultimately that uh, the name of Christ would be glorified here and that we would be uh, uh, aligned to your purpose. Lord, we pray in his precious name and for his glory. Amen. All right. Well, A few years ago, I got the opportunity to excavate in Israel. I've actually done this quite a few times now, but I've got kind of a side hustle in archaeology. It's kind of a fun side hustle. Um, And uh, a few years ago, our directors really helped me out. This was actually when I was in grad school, and our directors helped me get some scholarships that allowed me to actually excavate in Israel. And so as a thank you gift I made these little leather keychains that I gave to our, our three directors. But Naama, on the right here, I, uh, when I was putting her gift together, I kind of recycled a, an old uh, USB thumb drive box. I just put it in that. It's kind of just a, a hand-me-down box or whatever. It's all I had to, to put the stuff in. And so I, I, I put the keychain in there, wrapped it up, and gave it to her. Well, I, I talked to her a couple of weeks later after I had, had thanked her for, for the help and uh, had given her the gift, and she said, uh, I asked her if she, you know, what she thought, she goes, oh, well, I thought it was a strange gift. Why on earth would you give me a, a USB drive, you know? And so she set it on her desk, and she never opened it. And I explained, oh, no, nah, ma, no, there's a there's a keychain in there that I made. It, it's made out of leather, all that kind of stuff. She goes, oh my goodness, I'll have to go back and open it. She kind of got sidetracked and, and never got around to it, but it was on her desk. And I, I think there's something in there, there's a little bit of of what Paul is is talking about. We've been given a gift, a grace. In fact, the, the word here is really just gift. The word grace really means a gift. And so if Paul is urging us not to receive a gift in vain, I want to ask you as the grace that God has given you did you leave it on the desk is it unopened what what kind of a gift is actually in there have you opened the box of this grace that you've been given it can be easy for us to just assume that the the grace Paul is talking about in this passage is saving grace but i want to recommend to you that Paul's actually he might be talking about a different kind of grace here okay so let's let's look at that this morning Paul ends this passage by urging us, don't receive the grace of God in vain. Don't take up this gift and not open the box, right? So I want to ask, what kind of grace is Paul trying to persuade us not to receive in vain? Well, let's look at our passage. We'll start in verse 14. Um, we're dropping in with this, with this passage here. We're kind of dropping into the middle of a conversation that's been unfolding between Paul and the church in Corinth. In fact, what you and I know as First and Second Corinthians are actually uh, letters that are kind of in the middle of several correspondence that we know Paul had with the church in Corinth. So you can see I've kind of given you a table here. There was in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, Paul actually references a previous letter That he had written to the the church in Corinth, which they had responded to, and then that prompted him to actually write uh, the later part of 1 Corinthians, so on and so forth. You can see there was a a long series of of, uh, letters back and forth between Paul and the the believers across the city of Corinth. But where we're looking at today is in the middle of 2 Corinthians, and I want to suggest to you, in uh, just a few verses before our passage... Paul actually says in verse, chapter 5, verse 12, he says, we are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to be proud of us. I think what he's referencing here is he's saying, what I was trying to do in 1 Corinthians, I'm not trying to do that here. In 1 Corinthians, Paul's goal was to correct some major sin issues in the church, but to also defend his apostleship, uh, the church in Corinth had uh, criticized Paul for some of the things that he was doing. They they questioned his his apostleship, and then they also seemed to falter on the gospel. They they said they were believers, but they had some some issues going on. And so Paul writes 1 Corinthians to address some of that, to clarify the gospel, to basically exhort them. Hey, you've said you've trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior. Savior. Now. You know, follow through with that. But in 2 Corinthians, he's not doing that. He's doing something different here. And it's important to understand that backdrop as we look at our passage today. So let's, let's look at uh, what kind of grace this is. We'll see in verses 14 through 17 that there is a grace by which we no longer live for ourselves, but where we also live for Christ. Okay, so let's look at this. For the love of Christ compels us since we have reached this conclusion. Now, hold on. What, what's this conclusion? We're going to look at it in a second. But he says a love of Christ compels us. What kind of love is that? If you're a, a grammarian or a, a linguist, you might pick up on this. Is this an objective genitive or a subjective genitive? Is it a love that we have for Christ or is it a love that Christ has for us? Well, you don't have to be a linguist, you don't have to be a Greek scholar to get what's going on here because Paul actually explains it's both of those. So let's look at this. Uh, If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Paul is essentially saying here, there's a love that Christ has for us, so much so that he died for us but there's also a love that we have for him so that we no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us. So what emerges here, and this is the backdrop to this whole passage, is that there's a relational cycle of love. As God loves us, we respond in proper order with love for him, okay? But pay attention to that. That's going to undergird this whole thing. So there's a love that we have, that Christ has for us, but that we have for him, so that we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for Christ and for Christ's purpose. Well, as we move on into, uh, I'm going to skip down a few verses, but as we look in verse 18, we're also going to see that this grace not to be received in vain is a grace by which we are reconciled, but we become servants of reconciliation. Okay? So let's read verses 18. Follow along in your Bibles. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given the ministry of reconciliation and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's saying here, all this is, you know, before that he talks about the new creation, the old has gone, the new has come. Essentially what Paul is saying here is that we can't save people. Only God does that. But God was at work reconciling the world to himself through Christ. So God is the the only one that saves people. This is his mission before it's our mission, right? But Paul does go on to say, even though this is from God, he's the one that does it. He has given us the word, the message of reconciliation. We can't reconcile the nations to God, but we have been given the message of reconciliation. About the one who can, okay. So let's pick up here. Uh, that is, Paul continues to explain himself in verse nineteen. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Him, to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and or, or we might but might insert but there as kind of a contrast. But He has commit, committed the message of reconciliation to us. What's Paul Paul's conclusion? He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. There's our our theme for the week. We are ambassadors for Christ. It's as if God was making his appeal through us. What do ambassadors do? Ambassadors ambassadors are given a message on behalf of somebody else, on behalf of a power much greater than they are. Our, Our authority as an ambassador is derivative, but we have been entrusted with the gospel. We've been entrusted with this message of reconciliation. And so Paul goes on, as these ambassadors, what do they say? We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, I want to pause here for a moment. One of the awkward parts of my job is that as pastors, as leaders, we're here to ensure that you can read your Bibles with potency and that we do believe that the the scriptures the word of god is open and accessible to anyone you don't have to have a seminary degree you don't have to have greek or hebrew you can read this and understand what god is communicating to you because god is powerful to speak even beyond our human limitations but the awkward part is that sometimes our english translations don't capture some of what's happening in the greek here and so your, some of your English translations might insert a direct object here. Uh, you be reconciled to God in verse 20. Well, actually, I think the Holman Christian Standard is, is, does a really good job of capturing the Greek here because there actually is no direct object in this verse. What's happening here is what's called a paraphrastic participle. What does that mean? That's a fancy way to just say Paul is describing what the message of these ambassadors is. So Paul himself is not pointing to the church in Corinth saying, hey, Corinthians, be reconciled to God. No, 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 no. He did that in 1 Corinthians. They've sorted that out. What he's doing here is he's saying, okay, you've said you've believed this message. That means that you're ambassadors for Christ now. And as ambassadors, our message to the world uh, since there is really no direct object here, it's, it's appropriate to supply the world uh, that he talks about God as reconciling the world to himself. Paul is basically saying our, the content of our message as an ambassador is that we urge the world be reconciled to Christ, okay? He goes on. He further explains that. But then as we turn into uh, chapter 6, you know, uh, just to summarize, uh, what Paul is trying to do here is he's persuading us not to receive God's grace of global ambassadorship. He says, if you, if you uh, turn in, in chapter 6, it's kind of a, a bad chapter break here. You've got to remember chapter and verse numberings are not divinely inspired. They were added in the medieval era. Um, but the, Paul's thought continues Uh, into chapter 6 here. Verse 1, he says, working together with him, we also appeal to you. Now, this time there actually is a direct object. So we know Paul is pointing to the church in Corinth, and he's saying, hey, Corinthians, I'm urging you, don't receive this grace in vain. And this grace, I think from what we've seen, the flow of Paul's argument here, this grace that he's talking about is actually the grace of ambassadorship. It's not just saving grace, it's sending grace. And he's trying to get the church in Corinth, and he's trying to get you and I today to take up this grace fully, to take up the grace, not just saving grace, but to take up sending grace without vacancy, okay? But how do we know that? How do we know that this is the kind of grace That we've been given well paul continues um we're going to see in verse two that essentially if we are in christ we're in his salvation we are purposed for the same purpose that christ was given which is all nations in focus so if we are in christ we are also meant to be in christ's mission In chapter 6, verse 2, this is where Paul quotes our our passage from last night, Isaiah 49. He says, at an acceptable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. He's quoting Isaiah 49. Um, It's the end of a passage where uh, Isaiah is talking about this servant, the servant Messiah, but also possibly the servant people. And Paul is, is quoting the end of that passage, in a sense hijacking that, that passage from Isaiah and bringing that whole, the whole argument of Isaiah in that, into that passage. And he's bringing it forward into his argument that, he's trying to, that Paul is trying to make here in 2 Corinthians. But this day of salvation that Paul is referring to is actually a total global mission. If you look back at what Isaiah was talking about, um, we saw last night that this is a poetic masterpiece in how Isaiah lays out chapter 49, It's laid out in this kind of chiastic structure, which is basically just a fancy way to say that the, the main point of that passage is kind of where the arrow points, and it has to do with verse 6. This is what Isaiah 49 verse 6 says. It says, God speaking to this servant, it is too a small a thing that you be my servant to only raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the saved ones of Israel. I will give you to light the nations, to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, what Isaiah was envisioning in this passage, again, as a the servant Messiah, who's actually going to be the Savior. Again, we're not, we're not the Savior here. But part of Isaiah, what Isaiah is envisioning, is a servant people that are sent to the nations and actually draw the nations in from the ends of the earth to be brought into this kind of salvation. This light to the nations is not just for Jesus. We as Christ's body, as his people, are also meant to be lights to the nations. Okay, So Paul is is quoting this passage and essentially bringing that whole argument of Isaiah forward. And he's saying, that's what this grace is about. It's this total global mission that we are invited to participate in. That's this ambassadorship that Paul is is urging the church not to be received in vain. So I want to recommend to you, you know, how do we receive grace in vain? This grace that Paul's talking about? Well, the best way to receive this grace in vain is to be saved, but not sent. We can be saved, we can receive the gospel, all the, the benefits of, of Christ's redemption, but never do anything with it. And so what Paul is trying to get the believers in Corinth, and you and I today, is to realize, man, have you received grace in vain? Have you? just like my, my archaeology director, not Ma, have you been given a gift but you've left it in the box? Is, the, is this grace of ambassadorship sitting in a, a closed box on your desk? Or have you actually opened that gift and received it fully? Have you stepped into this mission that God is, is sending you on? Okay? Well, if we've given you some opportunities for application already. Garen did an excellent job of describing our going, welcoming, sending, mobilizing. And you've got lots of booths and and our our ministry partners and our missionaries that have uh, avenues for you to uh, apply some of, of what we're learning this weekend. But this ambassadorship, if we could sum up all of these different practices, It's what Paul is talking about here, that we can actually be, we can see ourselves as ambassadors for Christ to the world, to the nations, that we urge the world be reconciled to God. There's a lot of different ways to do that. God calls us to unique and distinct things. There's no one-size-fits-all to this mission. But he is inviting you. Don't receive this grace in vain. Take it up fully. Be saved, but also be sent, okay? Let me close us in prayer, and I'll turn it back over to Garen for some announcements. Well, Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for our uh, time together today. Um, Lord, I trust that you continue to speak to us through your word, uh, through the testimonies that you've given our missionaries that we've heard already today that we'll hear more about tonight. Heavenly Father, we ask that as you Continue to align us to your will as you invite us, as you reveal your purpose uh, to each of the individuals here this morning, uh, both here in the room as well as online. That you would continue to speak throughout the week, that their ears and hearts would be open to receive what you have to say, and that you would uh, help us move into that purpose that you've called us to. Speak and clarify to these people. this week, Lord. And it's in Christ's name and for His glory that I pray. Amen.
0: Yep, so again, as we continue tonight, just this card is not just meant to be a throwaway. Take that, put it on your dash of your card, take it home, put it on your table, and be asking the question, God, what is my response you're calling me to? Is it going, sending, mobilizing, um, welcoming? It may be more than one of those things. We're just asking everybody to commit to one. A few things for tonight or today as you leave. One, don't forget, grab the prayer booklet They're again at the resource table. Check some of that out on your way out. Um, we are going to be having supper back here tonight at 5.30. We'd love to have you here and hear um, the rest of what Andrew's going to share from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, a reminder that the gift bags, the Navidad con Jesus, are actually due Saturday. And we're going to have this year, uh, just you would, between 10 and 11, drive up and drop them off, and those are what go to Mexico for the Christmas trip, and they give those out to the children. It's a really cool ministry. And just to remind you, um, really think about grabbing one of these, off one of these trees of a missionary family that you're not just going to commit to pray for, but you're going to commit to, to just stay connected in some way to encourage them. Um, so please come back tonight. And one more thing for this service that's really significant, because we are going to have tables up, and we are going to have a meal provided by Christian Challenge, which by the way, is how they raise, one of the main ways they raise funds for their summer mission team. So you being here and taking part of that helps them a lot. But we're going to have tables and chairs set up, and we need some help. So if some of you uh, people with strong backs, I still have an excuse for another month, (laughs) That's what my physical therapist said, sort of. Um, anyways, I'm using it. Um, no, I'm I'm happy to help out. I helped last night. But if some of you could stay after and help us, we're gonna put some of the chairs away. We're gonna bring some tables out and set up. That would be so great if you could do that. Um, so if some of you can hang out and do that, but would you stand? I want to pray. Father, thank you for um, the fact that your grace came to me the gift of salvation came to me, and that you have given me eternal life and an eternal relationship with you. But thank you also that you gave me the grace of passing that on to others, and being a part of what you're doing, not just in Emporia and Kansas, but in this nation, but globally, and that this is a church that's committed to that. So help us to really speak to us about being ambassadors, because we're all called to that. We're all called to that. So Um, Just pray as we gather again tonight that you would continue to work in our hearts, um, and we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, 12th, as every week, you are sent this today. You're sent to come back tonight for supper, and you're sent, after you help out, some of you, help us set up for tonight. So, we'll see you guys later tonight.